so good to be here um, to share with you. When I looked at the Psalm, Psalm 146, I couldn't help but to think about the response of the Lutheran church. So the Lutheran church, the pastor would start every service somewhat the way you have, and the Lord be with you. And now people would respond. One day the pastor came in. There were things that were broken in the church. He got up behind the sacred desk and, and he said, the microphone is broken. It's not working. And the people said, So you gave me Psalm 146. So you may walk away and say, Pastor Corey is broken. Um, he's not working. Uh, what an exciting text. Uh, what an exciting time to be with you um, this, this morning. Uh, thank you again. Um, I, I um, absolutely love your, your pastor, Father Aaron. I know he's away resting. Um, and, uh, but can we celebrate and thank God for Father Aaron, even in his absence? You guys are always so hospitable when I come and so, so thankful for everyone and the team. Um, if you have your Bible, let's look at Psalm 146 um, together. Let's pray. Father, the, the words of the song we sang early continues to ring in my heart as we behold you. But not only as we behold you, but as we are still. Lord, everything moves so fast. Time is moving fast. Our schedules are hectic and chaotic. We are in such a microwave society. But God, it is good for us to be still and to know that you are God, to, to behold your, your beauty and your wonder and your majesty, to praise you, to worship you, to acknowledge you, to adore you, to recommit ourselves to you. Thank you, God, that, that, that you have united us together. And that we can come together as your family and as your people to lift up our voices and to lift up our hearts. But God, we, we come today with great need. We, we, we come today poor in spirit, with, with, with our hands and our hearts lifted out towards you, asking for, Lord, you to fill us up. Asking for you to restore us and for you to refresh us, for you to feed us from your holy word. Father, I, I pray in these few moments that we have in the scripture that you will set me aside, that you will hide me behind the cross. And Lord, that, that you would be exalted, dear Jesus. Lord, Calm my spirit. Help me to speak with simplicity 
with clarity and with power. Send your anointing that makes preaching easy. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We pray this in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen. That was a teenage girl who absolutely hated going anywhere with her mother, particularly because her mother's arms were disfigured. One day, her and her mother, they were in the shopping center. And while they were in the checkout line, her mother reached out her arm. And the clerk seen her mother's marred arms. And the clerk looked horrified. The young girl was so embarrassed when she got to the car, she was crying hysterically. And she overly communicated to her mother just how embarrassed she was. Understandably so, her mother was hurt and a little angry. When they got home, her mother made up in her mind, I must talk to her. It is time for me to tell her the truth, to lay it all out before her. She waited a few hours, walked into her room. She said, when you were a baby, the house was on fire. Your room was an inferno. I could have easily gotten out the front door, but I did not want you to die alone. So I ran in through the flames. Grabbed you in my arms, and we're back through the flames. My arms caught fire, and they were inflamed with pain, agonizing pain. But when I got to the front yard, all I could do was rejoice that the flames had not touched you. Stunned was the little girl. She looked at her mother. She began to weep. She felt shame and gratitude all at the same time. She began to kiss her mother's arms. See, this mother had to reveal to her daughter who she was. She, she, she had to reveal the, the magnitude of love that she has for her daughter. She had to reveal the kind of sacrifice she made for her daughter. And, and, and this young girl has the appropriate response to acknowledge her mother. She has the appropriate response to, 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 to praise her mother, to show her mother gratitude. She gives her mother praise. Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that we can give other people praise. Because what we do is, is that we praise the Lord. We, 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 we praise in the church. It's who we are, isn't it? But, but why do we praise? Do we praise because we have great singers? Good musicians? Do, do we praise because we have been conditioned to praise? We say, for as long as I have remembered, I have gathered in God's house to praise. Do we praise because, because it is um, 
a part of our social construct. It, it seems comfortable in the confines of our Christian nature for us to gather together to praise, or is our praise personal? I believe that, that our text here in Psalm 146 asks us the question, why do we praise the Lord? Why do we praise the Lord? Well, for, for some of us, we, we may say, Pastor, that is a simple question. And today, I will just be reminding you of why we praise the Lord. But it may be a question that some of you are asking. Maybe some of you that are here and maybe some of you who are watching online, you may actually be asking that question. Why do I praise the Lord? Why do we praise the Lord? And if it's not a question you are asking, it may be a question your family is asking. It may be a question your friends or coworkers are asking. And our text gives us at least two answers of why we praise the Lord. Some of you, you may want to praise the Lord because here you got a preacher with only two points. The, the, the first reason why we see why we praise the Lord is because he can be trusted. That we, we praise the Lord because he can be trusted. When we look at Psalm 146, it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. We, we, we see this phrase repeated several times, praise the Lord. The first praise the Lord, it is imperative to all. These other statements of praise the Lord, it is a personal commitment to maintain. The psalmist is not just committed to praising the Lord for a moment. When we praise the Lord for a moment, it's because we, we, we have identified a singular situation in which God has done something and we believe and we have determined that God deserves our praise for that. But the kind of praise he is talking about is far more than singling out a certain situation. This is a lifelong commitment to praise. This is a way of life kind of praise. This kind of praise is not limited to a Sunday morning. This praise is not limited to having a band or a praise scene. This praise is motivated by something bigger and something greater. It is not motivated by any material gifts or blessings. When we talk about praise, we're talking about speaking well of something. We're talking about boasting and bragging. We're talking about giving glory and honor. This kind of praise, it shows that there is an infatuation of sorts, that there is a love affair. This kind of praise indicates that there has been a mental shift that has happened. Maybe so much so that, 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 that you may almost look insane. It reminds me of Romans 12. Then be no longer conformed unto the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, this kind of praise, they may look like a radical Christian. They may look like a radical praiser because they are not concerned with the perceptions and the approval of people. They, they are concerned about the audience of one. This kind of praiser. They can only praise because God has revealed something to them. The theologians tells us that there are two kinds of revelations. 
One, they would say that there's a general revelation in which we will understand that there's a magnificent, intelligent designer who created all that we see. Romans 1.19 tells us that, that God has, for all creation, that God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen. That, 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 that we have a check in our spirit that there is an intelligent designer. But that's not enough to make us appraiser. No, it is this special revelation that makes us appraiser. It is when God reveals to us his love. It's when God reveals to us his kindness. It's when God reveals to us his mercy. It's when God reveals to us his faithfulness. It's when God makes clear to us that simple verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's, it's understanding that revelation that makes you a praiser. It is the revelation of knowing that I can trust God. What verse 3 tells us, that I cannot trust princes, that I should not put my trust in princes. What princes? Well, you should not put your trust in the fresh prince of Bel-Air. He might get on the stage and smack you. You, you, you cannot put your, your trust in Prince the singer. He might change his name. You, you can't put your trust in Prince Ali. That's a Latin. He wasn't even really a prince. You can't put your, your trust in Prince Harry. He might leave the kingdom. Simply what, what the text is telling us, that we should not put our trust in humans. No matter how powerful, no matter how prominent, no matter how prosperous. And, and, and the Bible actually tells us why we should not put our trust in humans. When we look at verse 4, why? Because humans cannot give you eternal salvation. That, that humans are fat, fragile. The very thing that is the most precious to us will depart our breath. That we will die. But let me suggest this for us. Our text is not telling us that we can't trust our spouse. Our text is not telling us that we can't trust our parents. Family members. Our text is not telling us that we can't trust our coworkers, our employer or employees. Our text is not telling us we can't trust the people on our road. But there is a difference in trusting God, in trusting man, and putting your trust in God. See, we must understand that people, humans, are limited. There is nothing omni about humans. We're not all powerful. We're not all knowing, even though we act like we're all knowing. Google is not all knowing. That's a surprise to some. Don't send me any comments or texts or tweets. We can't be everywhere all at the same time. We, 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 we are limited. And, and, and matter of fact, even in our limitations, it is strange. We got the gift of remembering. 
Thank God he has a sea of forgetfulness. Not, not, not only are we limited, but we are sinful. Aren't we? That yes, we, we, we have a new nature, but we still also possess this sinful nature. Paul explains the complexity of it all in Romans 7. That we are sinful and we have these temptations and these desires. And we may not want to say it in public, but there are times when we give in to those temptations and we sin. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, to him who says he has no sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. We are fragile. We break promises. Had some friends. One of my friends, he was 45 years old, pastor, was doing great work together, had great dreams and visions, and we had plans. One day he called me, 45 years old, and said, I got brain cancer. They're giving me less than a year to live. He made promises, but he's lying. Another friend, one of my instructors said, I'm going to teach the next class. He called me and said, I got stage four cancer. 11 days later, he went home to be with the Lord. He prayed promises unintentionally because we can oversleep. We can get sick. We can die. We're fragile. We're sinful. We're limited. In John 2.24, the, the text says that Jesus did not entrust himself to man because he already knew what was in man. He didn't need anyone to witness about man because he knew all people. Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. Yes, he gave responsibility to his disciples. Yes, he gave opportunity to them. And he trusted them with tasks, but he did not entrust his life to them. This is what I call having the right perspective. We must know that humans will let us down. You know how I know humans will let us down? Because we let ourselves down. I know I'm not the only one that found myself in the mirror talking to myself. Self, we didn't did this to ourselves. Why did we do this, self? If, if you will let yourself down, then you definitely will let other people down. Sometimes we trust, sometimes we look to put our trust in humans because we are looking for happiness. We are believing that, that these humans will solve some of our most significant problems. If I can only marry one of those princes or one of those princesses, I'll be happy. If I can only find favor with my boss and get that position, then I will be happy. But the psalmist is telling us that we're not going to experience happiness by putting our trust in humans, by putting our trust in people, no matter how much power, no matter what their prominence is, or no matter what their prosperity is. Our happiness comes from the Lord, and that is exactly what he's getting at in verse 5 when he says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. 
Blessed are those. That, that word blessed, it actually means happy. But it is a different kind of happy. It is not a happiness that is based on what is happening. It is a happiness that is based on what has already happened. And what has already happened is that the God who is their hope and the God who is their help has changed their lives. This kind of blessedness, it is not talking about a thing that somebody gets up looking for. You know what I'm talking about. I'm looking for a blessing. I need a blessing. And some people get up and they're saying, hey, look, pray for me. I need a blessing. But there are others of us. We wake up and we say, I am blessed. It is who I am. Matter of fact, it could be my middle name. Call me Corey Darnell. No, I'm sorry. Corey Blessed Buchanan. It could be your middle name. It's who we are. And it's who we are because of what he has done. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit gives us this, this reference of the God of Jacob. It's interesting. Jacob. You remember Jacob, right? The trickster. Jacob, who tricked his brother Esau. Jacob, who tricked his father Isaac. Jacob, who tricked his father and all Laban. Jacob was so messy and he was such a trickster that I believe that Jacob thought he could trick God. And what we find in Genesis 32 is that God wrestles with Jacob or Jacob wrestles with God. It, it is this reality that here God is trying to get Jacob to understand that, Jacob, you've been trusting in yourself. You've been trusting in your own wisdom. You've been trusting in your own skills. You've been trusting in your own articulations. You believe you can get yourself out of any situation, out of any circumstance. And Jacob had been doing his own thing, living life his own way. He was like a Burger King in the Old Testament. He wanted to do it his way. And here God was wrestling with him because God needed to change him. Because the reality of it is, is that Jacob was not happy. And God changed Jacob. Changed him the hard way. He got a limp. He was hip-hop before it came out. Changed his talk. God changed him and God changed his name. Let me speak to somebody that's here. Somebody that's watching. Maybe that's exactly where you're at. That you feel like you are wrestling with God. You've put your trust in yourself, in your own ability, in your own wisdom, in your own street smarts, in your own business savvy, and you don't have no peace. You don't have any joy. And you feel like you are wrestling with God. And you've been resisting his will. You've been resisting his plan. But I want you to know that you're not fast enough to run from God. That, 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 that you're not strong enough to pin God. That your arms are not long enough to box with God. We have to surrender to him. Surrender to God and, and put our, our trust in him and, and, and allow God to, to transition us from looking for a blessing to where we can say we are blessed. Because I have put my hope in the God of heaven. And that could be someone here. 
You, you may actually be finding it difficult to praise God. You, you, you may find that, that there is this, this challenge in your heart because you are wearing disappointment on one sleeve and discouragement on the other sleeve. And, and it's like joy has been leaking out of your life because you have put all of your trust in the powerful, prominent, prosperous people on earth. And every time you turn around, you're disappointed. You're discouraged. You don't have any joy. You don't even know how you can praise God. Well, let me invite you that we, we don't praise God just, just based off a feeling. We, we praise the Lord till joy comes. We, we, we praise the Lord until our feelings and our emotions obey. We praise the Lord because he can be trusted. But secondly, we, we, we praise the Lord because he reigns forever. <sighs> he reigns forever. Verse 6 says, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them? Who keeps faith forever? Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. God, the, the, the creator and maker of heaven and earth. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the first and he is the last. And what I love about this is that, is that the one who is the alpha and the omega, the creator and the maker, the king of all the earth who will reign forever, he keeps faith. In other words, he keeps his promises that God is faithful. If God says it, that settles it. You don't even have to believe it. It's, it's a done deal. And this God, who, who is the creator, the maker, the alpha, the omega, the king of kings, who reigns forever. I love this. He is the God who executes justice. Justice for the oppressed. No, 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 notice that, that, that the bulk of, the, of this text is not talking about God unleashing his wrath. He mentions that the wicked will perish. But the majority of the text is, is, is God displaying his mercy. And I think God wants us to understand that, yes, in his justice, that God does pour out his wrath. But in God's eyes, mercy, kindness, and love is right. And that's what justice is all about. It looks to do right. Reminds me of a response that a reporter got from a tow truck driver. It was Zach from Big Dog Towing. He was out on his regular run in Michigan. When all of a sudden, he got into a head-on collision with another vehicle. Took him a moment to catch his bearings. When he did, he looked up 
and the vehicle that struck him was on fire. He tried to get out of his door, but his door was jammed. He climbed over to the passenger door. He got out. He ran to the burning vehicle to find a young girl in the front passenger seat. He grabbed hold of the door, but the door was jammed. So he, he grabbed hold of the door as hard as he could, and he pulled on it until the window came down. And as he was pulling this girl out, he heard a cry from the back seat. It was a baby in the back seat. And as he was pulling her out, the sheriff came, came up. And as he took the young girl back, him and the sheriff went back to pull the baby out of the car, out of the back seat. Zach and the sheriff, they, they were later celebrated for their heroic efforts. On that day, Zach was a real-life hero to save these two girls from a life-threatening situation. He didn't think twice about running into danger, about running into these flames to save these girls. And the reporter asked him, why would you risk your own life? He said it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. It's right to feed the hungry. It is right to see the prisoner set free. It, it, is, it is right for the blind to see. It is right for us to lift up the bow down head. It is right for us to watch over and provide and care for the refugee. It is right for us to look out for the widow. It is right for us to care for the fatherless, the orphan, that kid on the street in Uptown. It is right for us to look after those who are half dead. You remember the half dead one, right? When Jesus tells the story that we should love our neighbor and the church people, the priest and the Levite, those who are on their way to praise the Lord, to brag about his goodness, they actually walked by the man who had been beaten and left there half dead. It is right to look after those who are oppressed. In our pursuit to be conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus, then we should do what's right. Not only should we do what's right morally, but we should also do what's right socially. We must care for the oppressed. Because we too have been marginalized. You may say, Pastor, I didn't grow up in poverty, but you were poor at righteousness. You grew up in sin. You were born in sin. You were shaped in iniquity. You were oppressed by sin. You was a slave to sin, and you were destined for eternal punishment. But the God of heaven said he would do what is right. He came to save us that we may praise him, that we may praise him forever, not, not, not just here for a moment, not just on Sunday, but that we would join the, the, the heavenly host and give him praise for all of eternity. You may say, Pastor, I have never been in shackles, but Jesus came to set us free. Ephesians tell us that we were dead in our trespasses, and sins. When we once follow the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the Lord set us free. That's why I like the story of that young girl and her mother. And her showing her mother 
this gratitude. Because her mother went through these earthly flames to put her daughter in her human hands so that she wouldn't be touched by the flames. Jesus came through these earthly flames. The world is spinning and on fire. Instead of Jesus saying, let them burn and die, he came into this place, earth, to put us in his heavenly hands so that the eternal flame never touch us. That we may be saved, that we may be redeemed, that we may be healed. And you know what the Bible says that's so beautiful? That because we are in his hands and he is in the Father's hands, that, that there is absolutely no one or nothing that can pluck us out. He reigns forever. That's the one who reigns forever. The God who holds us in his hands. The God who loves the oppressed. The God of Jacob. The one who changes us. The one who makes us blessed. He reigns. Forever. The one who sets us free, he reigns forever. The one who redeems us, he reigns forever. So why do we praise him? Because we can trust him. We can trust the one who put us and has us in his hands. And his hands is better than all states. He has good hands. We can trust him. Because he reigns forever. And when we praise him, we are joining the heavenly host, saints from all ages and in all places to praise him. Not just for a moment, but as long as we live. Let's pray to him. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. God, there's no one like you. There's no one beside you. God, you, you, you have done more than enough. Your, your, your work has been incredibly sufficient. You, you have saved us from the eternal flames. But more than that, God, we, we are in your hands. We, we, we are in the hands of, of, of the creator and maker of heaven and earth, the Alpha and the Omega. We are in the hands of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are in the hands of one who is holy, holy, holy. And God, we, we, we declare like the psalmist that we will praise you with our soul. We will, we will sing praises unto you. We will praise you for the rest of our lives because you deserve the praise. You are a God that can be trusted. And Lord, you reign forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.